But it's harvest month. Christians love the idea and mindset of harvest month. But if you're a farmer, think about harvesting is you guys work week in and week out. I I guess I do too. Uh, We work week in and week out and we get paid at the end of the week or the end of every other week or once a month. But a farmer, they get paid when the harvest comes in and then they got to go 60, 90 days outside of that, right? I'm not that patient. And I'm not a good saver either, so we would be broke about two months out of the uh, after that, and so ten months we'd be struggling. But it's harvest month, and we talk about that, but here at Journey, we are a harvest church, meaning we believe in the harvest of the kingdom of God each and every Sunday. We believe in that. Every Sunday, there's an opportunity for someone to come to church for the first time and experience Jesus Christ and to let them walk across that line and say, I no longer live alone. I have a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus Christ. And that's what we love to do here because that's the DNA of who we are. We don't want people to walk out of here not having that opportunity to have this Savior, Jesus, change you from the inside out. I want to tell a story a little bit. This week, I I did the message on Wednesday. Wednesdays, in here, we do a message. We're going through the book of Corinthians. If you haven't been to one of our services in the midweek, it's pretty powerful. It's pretty amazing. There's dinner. There's worship. There's prayer. There's communion. We do communion every week. It's pretty awesome. And this Wednesday was one of the few Wednesdays I teach. I usually don't teach. Jeremy doesn't let me. So um, so I was praying. I'm like, Lord, make this message powerful and impactful and, and, and make it something that you want. So I took my little dog, Clover, and I put the worship uh, music in my ears. And I just started walking my neighborhood, walked by Ed and Nita's house. And as I was walking towards their house, I saw someone that used to come to church and uh, came for a long time. The family came. And all of a sudden, this memory, and I'm just telling you the story because this is how my mind is. This memory came in of a conversation I had with him at Starbucks a couple of months ago on why he didn't come to church anymore. And, and at first, it broke my heart because he told me there was, there, when he came here, the interaction with some people and his family was off. It wasn't good. It wasn't right. Nothing bad happened, but he's just like... It didn't make my family feel super good. And so as soon as I remember that, as I saw him walking by their house... This flood of emotion came in, and I don't know if you guys know me well enough, but I am so afraid not to live by the Bible. I don't want to lead this church. I don't want to lead anything away from God. So I'm sitting there going, Lord, are we doing things wrong? Are we actually hindering people? You know, should we have not been gathering the way that we're gathering? And so I'm just thinking all of of this in my head, and, and all of a sudden the glory of God just kind of shines on me, and he says... You're doing exactly what I want you to do. And when I say you, he's not talking about me. He's talking about you. The mission of this church is to love the world. And what will heaven look like? If you look around for a moment, this church has all kinds of types of people. Rich people, poor people, funny people. Not so funny people over in this section over here. But we have all kinds of people at our church, and this is exactly what God wants, is he wants us to to be challenged by loving the world one person at a time. And if anybody have any family? Oh, a lot of you, that's good. Loving family is the hardest thing to do. And this is a family, and loving each other is hard to do as well. So I just want to ch- thank you, and I'm going to clap on behalf of the, the council and the staff and everybody. You guys are doing a great job on all you're doing. And the feeling that I have that we're doing the right thing was just so overwhelming that Wednesday night's message was that much more powerful because I didn't have to worry. God did all the work. Amen? So if you're on mission, your job is to love the world one person at a time. How do we do that? Well, today we're going to dig into probably the hardest place in the Bible to love the world one person at a time. Uh, This is going to be a very tough message for some. For some of you, it's not a big deal. But for 98% of us, it's going to be a huge message of, of conflict and frustration. The gospel tells us, or at least it tells me, that I am saved By the grace of Jesus Christ. But I'm not safe. Does that make sense? I'm saved, but I'm not necessarily safe. 
The Bible tells me that I'm saved by grace and then I'm supposed to go out and do something, not stay and do nothing. What happens is most of us come to church and think the only thing that I'm going to do to God for God today is put a few bucks in, put my prayer request or my praise report, sit and listen to that funny guy up on stage. See, got a couple laughs over in that section back there. Thank you, by the way. And then I'm going to walk into this world and not change anything about my life. But that's not what God tells me, the Bible says. God says that I am saved and I'm supposed to do something. Look at what our memory verse says in Isaiah. Listen to what it says. Look at all the action points. If you were studying this and doing an inductive Bible study, you would be circling things and reading. So look at that in your head and it says, look, God is my deliverer. Is my deliverer. Action. I will trust in him and not fear. Trust is the output of faith. If you have faith in your heart for Jesus Christ, the output is trust. It's the thing that we see. And if I have trust, I have no fear. If I have faith, fear shouldn't be a part of that. For the Lord gives me strength. And when the Lord gives me strength, his strength protects me from the evil things of this world. And then he has become my deliverer. He starts with is and then he has become. And if you're here today and you're in an is lifestyle, you need to get to the has become and let him start working for you, if that makes sense. Today, we're going to talk about the fear of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is a tough subject, but before we get into it, I want to just talk about the fear of sharing in general. As Christians, we don't want to tell people about our life. I don't want to share with you the pain and the struggle and the trials because you might think ill will of me. I don't want you to get into a place where you're like, man, I don't know if I want to hear that. And if I, what they told me, I don't ever want to talk to them again. So instead, we don't share anything, let alone the gospel. But the truth is, if I'm in a loving relationship with people, then I need to tell you everything that's going on and share my heart with you. So I'm going to share something with you. Uh, my wife's not in here, I don't think. But uh, um, I've already had a couple of people tell me it's, it's not nothing to be alarmed of. But on fr- Friday night, me and my wife went out to dinner with my family, uh, my father-in-law and mother and dad. And we went and at the... Uh, at the end of the evening, I, ha- I was having pain in my back. And I'm like, man, I feel it. By the middle of the night at 1 o'clock, I was having, I thought, heart pain. And, and it's okay. 911's on their way right now. Um, <laughs> but if I was too afraid to tell my wife and too afraid to tell you, we're not in a real relationship. And, of course, my wife's looking on the Internet and challenging me to go to the doctors. It was probably just a bad piece of prime rib and... Uh, uh, a cramp, but I'm going to go tomorrow just to check it out. But that's a real relationship, right? That we shouldn't be worried to have those kind of conversations. As Christians, forget the outside world. We got a chance to go see them in a few minutes. But while we're in here, we need to be real with each other. We need to tell what's going on so that you can either pray for me in my heart or... Pray for people around you that need the love and and support that God gives us. Does that make sense? But we don't share our life because we have this fear of being rejected. Something we talked about. Degraded and avoided. Have you ever been to Target and you see someone you don't want to talk to because it's going to be a 30 minute conversation? Man, I do it all the time. I hide from you guys all the time. Uh, (laughs) I'm the guy with the hat and the glasses on. But you go in and you're a fear and you avoid people because of the things that you've talked about and the things that you've shared. And that's what we have in life. But here's the deal. Where did that come from? Where did that come from? That didn't come from me as a kid because as a kid, I was able to share and talk about anything, right? My daughter's in seventh grade. She's in junior high listening to the messages. And we got great people running our junior high program. She'll go and say this. Yeah, come to my church. It's not very good, but come anyways. We'd love to have you, right? (laughs) But it's true. And then the kids are like, hey, that was really fun. Why'd you say it wasn't good? And she goes, well, I've been here the whole, my whole life. So I, you know, it seems odd. 
But as kids, we're not afraid. But as you get to be freshman, sophomore, you start kind of pushing the, the brakes on that going, I can't tell anybody because, you know, there, there's something about high school where that freshman looks at that senior and go, man, that guy's a man. He's got beards and muscles and all of that. And we start getting fearful. And as we get older, we get cynical and we stop sharing. You know what Christians share? They go and see someone and go, oh, I'm going to journey. Oh, good, brother. That's awesome. I'm a Christian. Let's go together. And we all huddle in the same place. And we forget to evangelize because we have fear of telling non-Christians about our faith. What we like to share is our pleasures, happy things, and our accomplishments. Look at everybody's feeds and look at all the pleasures they have. Oh, man, I had prime rib last night. Oh, man, my feet are in the sand. And oh, wow, look at I got a promotion or a new Lamborghini. Praise God. Occasionally, we share some tough stuff, but for the most part, we like to share happy things, accomplishment, and pleasures because you want to show the world, Jeff's got it all together. Trust me, an afternoon with me in my house, you'll realize I got nothing together. The dog's got more together than I do. And that dog's got some stuff going on, so... Today we're going to talk about a story on why should we share. What's the purpose of sharing? What, why should we share? What's the purpose? We'll get to the end of the message and talk about ways to share. And then I have in, in, the, in the green um, cover, I can't think of it, where we sign up and do all the things. There's seven ways why we shouldn't fear. So make sure you go out. There's about 40 copies left on seven things why we shouldn't fear sharing our faith. A recent study shows that 2% of all Christians evangelize. 2%. If we have a church of 500 people, that means 10 people in the church do all the evangelizing. That's pretty sad. Now, if we were talking about numbers, the, the theory of churches, and I don't think this church is that much different, maybe a little bit, but about 10 to 15% tithe to keep the church doors open. That's the numbers here. So 2% do all the inviting... And telling people about Jesus and 10 or 12% do all the tithing to keep the doors open in all the churches. Those aren't good numbers, by the way. And why is that? A vast majority of Christians have great fear. Jeremy created this series several months ago about fearless. We need to become fearless in multiple things in our life. We need to become fearless about being rejected by man. Last week, Jeremy did a great message about the fear of God, did he not? If you didn't get that message, we have a bunch of messages online, and uh, I think we have it up, and there's this new to go app as well. So if you're interested in grabbing a hold of it, I would uh, take a moment or 30 or 40 minutes of your time and listen to Jeremy's message last week. It was fantastic. But the study shows that we go into this world, and I'm too afraid to have any conflict with anybody about Jesus. You guys will have all kinds of conflict about political stuff, trust me, more than I ever want to see. But about Jesus, no conflict. I don't want people to know about Jesus from my end because it's too, com it's, it's too um, politically correct. We don't want to be ridiculed. We don't want to be foolish. So we get Jesus out of our conversations and it only affects the world. Our world, if you've seen today in the last few days of news, needs a savior. And it needs to come right now so we don't have to worry about the things of this world. But even as Christians, we need to press into that and not let the world cave in on us. Because the Bible tells us that he is our strong tower and he is our fortress and that he will protect us even when things of this world can't. Does that make sense? So we get into this place, I don't want to be a Jesus freak, and I don't want to tell people because I'm going to get rejected or looked at as like a fool. Because it's not loving anymore to talk about Jesus. That's what our school says. That's what our workplace says. That's what our government buildings say. It's not loving. Stay away from Jesus. The truth is, it's the most loving thing that you can do. Let me get out my phone and give you some statistics today. Oh, that's not that. Text. Here's some numbers, 360,000 births per day in this world, 151,000 deaths each day, 15,000 15, births each hour, 
6,300 deaths each hour in this world. 250 births each minute, 105 deaths each minute, four births per second, two deaths per second. By the time that I read that, 20 people have died in this world. 20 people, and if they didn't know Jesus, their soul goes into a place that none of us want to talk about and none of us want to be there. So you think you're going to be rejected, but that person is going to be rejected for eternity. And what do we do? We sit on our hands and feet. We tie up our mouth. We get on our phone because we are the most powerful from behind our phone. And we promote stuff that's not beneficial. Instead of the thing that's life eternal. That's what God wants us to talk about today. People are going to not want Jesus. They don't want to change. We have a fear of changing. I don't want to walk away from my lifestyle. I have a fear of changing who I am and what I'm about. So I'm going to reject that even though it sounds good and it feels good. Because we hinder things that are going to radically change us. But the truth is, today, we want to press into that and get this, the blessing of Jesus and why we should change. Amen? Hey, today we're going to go through a story and there's 20 verses. Now, if you guys don't know this about me, I am dyslexic. When I was a kid, they thought I needed glasses. Nope, I'm just dyslexic. And uh, so to read a lot of verses here is if ever... In, front of people every Sunday. It's pretty, um, pretty hard. Um, but I've been working through it and God has delivered me so I can read pretty much clearly. But today there's 20 verses and really all I want to do is get to two at the end of the chapter. But it would make no sense for me just to go there and have to tell the story. I might as well let the Bible tell the story. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, we're going to talk about maybe the scariest guy in all of the Bible. there's, There's nothing more scarier than this guy and who he is. But we're also going to see the experience of who Jesus is into your life and into my life. In the Gospel of Mark, it's called the Action uh, gospel of the Bible, there's all kinds of things that Jesus does to reveal his power. In Mark chapter 4, the, the verses right before the verse we're going to read today, the disciples were in a boat on the Sea of Galilee, and the winds are turning, and the seas are tossing and turning, and as we do, it's like, Lord, where are you? And he's sleeping at the front of the boat, and he gets up and says, be calm, and all of a sudden the seas are calm. So in this, in this book, in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus shows that he has power over the elements or nature. He also shows in this book or in, this, in, in, in uh, chapters right after that he has the power of disease. A woman that's bleeding for 12 years comes and touches his hem and she's healed. He also shows that he has the power of death. A 12-year-old daughter dies and he goes and, and heals her and brings her back to life. Today... You're going to see he has the power over demons and evil spirits. And he has the power to go into anybody's life and change them no matter how bad it is. So today we're going to read that and understand Mark chapter 5 and dig into it so that it will have some power. So we'll want to go out and share the goodness of God. Now normally what I do is I read and, uh, and then we pray. Today we're going to stand up and we're going to pray first. So everybody stand up. I'm going to pray, and as I pray, will you pray, Lord, will you speak to me specifically today about sharing and how I share and how I should share? And even better, who should I share with? So let's pray. Father, as we open up your word, we give you thanks and praise because these are the words that are life transforming. You are the one that saves souls, not us. Lord, give us words and and people to share and give us the strength and courage to go out into this world and tell people about Jesus Christ. Let us walk away from our fear and into faith because of you. We praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now stand up and I'm going to keep reading. So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the cemetery to meet him. This man lived among the burial caves and can no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into uh, chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. 
No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with a sharp stone. Go ahead and be seated. John, before you sit down, stand up. Come here, brother. We got one of the bigger guys in the church. Here, break this for me real quick. Come on, bro. That's weak. (laughs) Veronica, can you do a better job than that, please? That was the weakest. The biggest guy in the place. Come on, try and break it. No, No, she says no. Listen, we have a a man that... and, And by the way, this is not the strongest chain. This is my parents' chain. My mom put this together for me. When I asked if they had a chain, I was looking for this like 10-footer that's like got big, big, gnarly things. And this is what we got. So truthfully, if we probably bend this a little bit, some of you strong people could break this. But the Bible says that this man could break chain and shackle. That's scary. That's scary. But listen, Jesus Christ can break bigger chains and bigger shackles. That's beautiful. That's loving. That's powerful. So today what I want to do is, why should we share? Does this man need Jesus? Yes, he does. He is the scariest man in all of the Bible. I don't think there's anyone scarier that we talk about as a human figure. This guy has got stuff going on. And the plight of this demon-possessed man shows us why should we share. Now, when we go into the world and share the gospel, most of us aren't going to communicate to demon-possessed men like this. Some of us might. But we don't worry about it because we have a Savior that does all the work. All you need to do is be the mouthpiece. That's what God wants us to do. So that's what we're going to talk about today is letting God work for us and show us why should we share and the purpose of the share. If we look at the plight of a demon-possessed man, right? If we just look at this man and, and, and kind of dig into his life, you will see what God is doing. This man was possessed and controlled by demons. He was living with these unclean spirits inside of him, and he had amazing power to break chain. Amazing power to break down chain. And to me, that's pretty, pretty powerful. There's this group called Team Impact. They rip books and do all kinds of stuff, right? They're not breaking chain. They're not breaking chain. So this guy has got unbelievable, undeniable power. And that power is not of God. It's a power that's from a dark force. The power of Satan was in this man. And you can tell it was strong. And it was controlling him. And the Bible tells us there was numerous spirits inside of him. And we'll get to that in a few minutes. But here's the bad thing. The whole community was afraid of him. Think about the the nearest cemetery and having some guy wander out there and they're keeping him out there because we're all afraid, right? This guy was scary and they wanted him out of the town and anytime they could, they're like, go chain him up. And I'm sure this guy would go chain me up because I'm scary myself because of the way he lived his life. But this guy was struggling. When you have things going on that aren't of God, You're actually living away from God and into the Antichrist or opposite of God. Some of us get a lot more severe the longer we live a life away from God. We allow things to come into our heart and there are things that we struggle with. But the truth is, when we are controlled by the Antichrist, the thing that is opposite of God, our life and the way that we look and the way that we act are completely different than those that put in Jesus Christ into our heart, mind, and soul. When we have that happening in our life, when God comes in and starts working in us and through us, lo and behold, our heart changes, our life changes, and everything around us changes for the better of God. And that's what we see God doing here. God is going to go in and share with us why should we share. And this is afraid, we're, we should be afraid to go in and, and deal with men like this. But the truth is, my wife deals with it all the time. She, that's what she does for a living. She deals with people that are struggling mentally and physically. 
So it's possible to go out into this world and even into demon-possessed people and change the gospel and, and be changed by the gospel. Now, this uh, this week, I like to listen to at least a message or two about the topic or something every week because I don't need to hear myself speak. So I'm listening to somebody else about this message and this really powerful pastor because a doctor. It's no, it's, it's a, from a decent-sized church, but nothing that we would know here. It's back east. He came up and he said this. Today we're going to talk about this demon-possessed man in the Bible. It's a really powerful story, but in America we don't see it. We only see it in third world countries. I don't know if that's true. Do you guys? America's struggling with just the same time of demons. We just hide it better, right? We put on clothes and we put on masks and we put on makeup and we try and act like it's not that big a deal. But the truth is, it's all over the world. It was back then, it is today, and it's going to be unless we tell people about Jesus and watch Jesus break chains. Amen? Amen. So let's look at this man's life. Let's just kind of put our, life, our, our, our heart in this guy and the way that he's living our life. And think about this morning how you were uh, woke up and how you clothed yourself and showered, hot shower. Did anybody have a cold shower intentionally this morning? Sorry. Most of us have hot shower that works. Just think about this guy. Here's this guy's life, this demon-possessed man. It says, he lived in the tombs out in the cemetery, and he was driven away from his home and his community because nobody wanted him because he was scary. He lived in the tombs. That's scary enough. I know it's Halloween and ooh, but that's pretty scary. Here's the other thing that this man is. It says in the Bible that he cried out in anguish. At the end of this, it says, at the end of our text in verse 5, it says, He wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling. And basically what he's doing, he's crying out for help. If you've been with people that are struggling with life, they are sitting back and want God to show up and do a work in them. And this guy's howling and asking God to work and do uh, great things in him. And over time, he will. The also that one of the things it says is he injured himself. He's a cutter. Today, it's a new phenomenon. The last 10 or 15, 20 years, people are cutting for attention and control. This man is cutting himself with stones that he says. And at the very end, it says he's, he's so far gone that he's come to Jesus running to him naked. What does that mean? This man has been controlled by demons, living an antichrist life. Has lost everything. No clothes. No home. No family. Pushed outside of the community. Because nobody wants him. When you're controlled by things opposite of this world. You look and you act differently. But when the power of Jesus comes into your heart. Into your life. Change comes. And you look completely different. And God does an amazing thing in you. Do you believe that today? Hallelujah. This man was what we call a degraded life. He had a degraded lifestyle. His life was nothing that any of us want. And the, and, and the Bible tells us that when we have evil on the inside, somehow, some way, that evil gets out on the outside. When we hold this evil stuff in, somehow, some way, this evil comes out. And it changes the purpose and the reason that we live. And God says, I want to bring you into a place where you're submitting to me, you're loving and honoring me, and then I send you out giving that good news to other people. Don't have fear in sharing the gospel, but live for the glory of God, thinking it is an honor to share the gospel. Does that make sense? So in this Bible text, in chapter, uh, um, in verse 6 is to 13, we're going to see the arrival of Jesus. And I just kind of want to spell it out. Jesus is going to come into the scene, and here's what's going to happen. I want you to look for it in the scriptures. Jesus is going to uh, communicate to this demon, and the demon is going to recognize his authority, number one. The demon is going to fear for its destiny, and then Jesus is going to have the power over the demon to cast it out. So let's read and see what happens, and when you look at it, know this is what God is trying to tell us about it. When Jesus was still some distance away, as he's coming in out in the morning off of that boat, 
He starts walking up to the tombs and this man saw him and ran to him and bowed low before him. And with a shriek, he screamed. Now, this is if Jeremy was here. He's there in the back. I'll do my Jeremy K's impression of, of an evil man. Here it is. Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. Doesn't that sound like Jeremy? Whatever it is, it sounds scary. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. And then Jesus says to him, he demanded, what is your name? And the demon replied, uh, the man replied, my name is Legion because there are many of us inside of this man. And then the evil spirit begged him again and again not to send him to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside. Send us to those pigs, the spirit begged him. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the men and entered into a herd of about 2,000 pigs that plunged down the steep hill and into a lake and drowned. Now, as Jesus enters the picture, if we go back and look at what it says, this, this de- the demons that are inside this man recognize him and not just recognize him as some holy man that's a prophet. It calls him Jesus, the son of God of the most high. And this is why, because the demons were cast down from heaven and they know exactly who he is. And they're afraid of him. Jesus comes in and they also go, don't put us into that place of everlasting hell. Because they were afraid of their destiny. They're like, just let us stay here. And Jesus says, all right, I'll let you stay around. They go, look at those pigs, let us go into there. And Jesus gives them the permission and then he destroys them. The point is this, the demons know Jesus, they know Jesus can win. The demons demons understood what God wants to do, put them in a place that's away from the holy ones, but Jesus continually has power to move in and out of people's lives and to free people of chain. And that's what he wanted to do. And he let this man and set this man free. When the arrival of Jesus comes into people's lives, great things happen. Life is transformed. Jesus in the Gospels show him communicating with many different types of people. This man being one of them. Many different types of people doing all kinds of crazy things. And Jesus did a couple of things. And I just kind of want to point them out so that if you're thinking about evangelizing and telling people about Jesus and about God, here's what Jesus did. The first thing he did is he understood them. He goes into people and he starts to go, I understand you, the woman at the well. Somebody that's struggling and in distress. He understands them. The second thing he does is he says, draw near to God, draw near to me. When you're in a situation and talking about evangelizing and you want to bring someone closer to Jesus, understand them. Don't just go in and memorize a few verses and not listen to them because they want a real relationship with God. They don't want a video. They can go to YouTube. They want a relationship with someone that is the hands and feet of God. And that's what we're talking about in this place. Jesus would call them to him and then he would ascertain what their struggle is. When we do that, we need to ask, what's your problem with God? Why don't you like Jesus? What do you believe about salvation? And when we do that, now we're on a one-on-one level and we're kind of trying to figure out what is their purpose from staying away from God And we have an opportunity to say, well, this is what's happened to me. And this is what God is doing in my life. And this is how I can work and move through the power of Jesus Christ, not on my own power. Now, there are three big factors that we struggle with in this world. That, that, that. Is kind of, these are general terms, but here's the thing. We have a, when we come with people, we, when we come encounter with people in this world um, that don't love God, one of them is they have an ambivalence to God, which is a conflict. They're conflicted. Ah, I, don't, I know there's something out there. I don't know if it's a God or not, so they're ambivalent. So that's one of the general factors of people that we might come across. The other one is they have a fear of God. Maybe they were raised in a church that was really strict and condemning, and they, don't, they walked away from it going, I don't want to be a part of any of that kind of God. He's mean, he kills, and, and, and he's 
He speaks uh, badly of me because I'm a sinner and they have a fear of God. And the last one is they just have a hatred toward God. And when they say I have a hatred toward God, most people hate Jesus and his teaching because that's the one way that God sends, uh, sends people into heaven. And they're like, well, I don't want to follow that. Why would God make me do that? If he's a loving God, he wouldn't make me do that. But that's what God wants. So these are the general things. These are general factors that keep people from hindering uh, and understanding God. So what I want to do now is I want to kind of close off and get into the last couple sections of the, this so we can get to the real meat of the message here today. Verse 14 says, The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and, they, and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. And those who had seen what had happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And the crowd, the crowd began pleading with Jesus, Go away and leave them alone. Here's the deal. When people's lives are changed, especially in an instant when a miracle happens, people are afraid. It's scary. What happened? What just happened? This man needed a savior. So the savior comes. And all he does is evangelize this man, change him, free him from the chains of, of, of demons... And now they're asking him to leave. He's probably only been on land for no more than an hour or two. He came in at dawn. Now it's eight in the morning. And they're like, would you please leave? What you just did with the scary guy and the pigs, that's too much. And what does Jesus do? I'm going to stay and you're going to obey God because that's what I want. No. He wants this life that's been changed to go into this community and do great things. When we have a life that's changed, when you give away this gospel, you have the opportunity to have someone's life radically changed. They change their heart and mind. They change who their Lord and Savior is. Most of us listen to the Lord and Savior of money and jobs and our kids and our homes, but we don't, we don't really submit to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, 100%. When you have a changed life, you change your heart and mind, you change your savior, you have a changed lifestyle, and you have a changed life purpose. Many of us can think of the day that I accepted Jesus, or I had a radical healing, or things transformed in my life, but you don't live out that purpose. You stay the same. And you don't do anything for the glory of God. Except, well, I came to church today, Jeff, well, it's not enough. And I'm not telling you it's for me. I don't care. I'm going to go to heaven and I'm going to do the best work I can. You're going to have to go and answer to God about what your life is about and what your purpose is. God did not save you to sit on your hands and feet in your mouth and tongue tie you so you don't do the glory of God. God says, I came in and changed you so that you can be a world changer by the way that you live your life and by the way that you communicate what God has done in your life. Does that make sense? And that brings us, it's taken me 30 minutes to get to this point. And this is the meat of the message. This is the purpose. We have this fear of sharing the gospel. We have this fear in sharing the gospel. But who believes that they are a miracle from God because they're sitting in here today and they're saved by Jesus Christ? Look around and see how many people believe that there's a miracle in the making because of what God has done. And what we do is we sit on our hands and feet, we go to Toppers, we go to In-N-Out, we go to Tepon, and we don't tell anybody about Jesus, and we won't even pray for our food, because we don't want to pray and be weird. What we want to do is we want to give. Here's what it says in Matthew 18, here's what it says, or Mark. As Jesus was getting into the boat, so they've said, go away and leave us. Jesus isn't saying, you need to listen to me. I'm the God of the universe. He's saying, listen, I'm going to be obedient to you. I'm a loving God. If you don't want me, sorry. I'm going to get in the boat and leave. Here's what he says. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who was demon possessed begged him to go with him. Lord, you just saved me. Lord, you just brought me out of this 
pit of hell and you broke the chains and now I'm free. I want to go out on tour with you and preach the gospel of what's happened to me. He's begging, Lord, let me get closer to you. These are the things that I want to do. I want to share the love of God because you have changed me. How many times do we sing those songs at church, something similar to that? And it's just a song to you? This man is begging Jesus. I just want to get close to you. I want to go with you. I want to go on to this world and share the love of Christ. I want to tell everybody what you have done. And most of the time, Jesus says, come, follow me. Become my disciple. And walk with me and grow in the name of Jesus Christ. But here he doesn't do that. These people have kicked him out. And he goes, I got a better plan. Here's what he says. Jesus says, no, go home. The first thing Jesus wants him to do is evangelize his family and who they are and what Jesus has done for him. Because only they are going to know exactly where this guy came from and what he did. Go home, he says, and make sure your family knows that Jesus is alive and well and that I have been free of demons and I'm no longer bound. He says, go home. The first thing that we need to do is make sure that we go home and everybody sees that you believe in Jesus and that you actually act like it. Act like you live for the glory of God. He says, go home and tell them everything that the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. And so what does the man do? He starts off to visit the ten towns of that region and he began to proclaim the great things that Jesus has done for him and everyone was amazed at what he has said. If this guy doesn't go and he goes with Jesus, this town is never going to be evangelized by anything greater than one or two men. But this man's testimony was the strongest in all of the regions. Everybody had to pass by this area, I'm sure, and this man probably led thousands of people to Christ. Because if he was here preaching, which he is, I was demon-possessed. Now we have an opportunity for people to go, man, that guy was jacked up. I'm going to press in because I'm not nearly as bad as Jeff. A couple, couple of weeks ago, I started out this series with, what are you afraid of? What's the worst thing that you can, ha- can happen to you? That if you tell someone that Jesus loves them and he wants them to have a relationship with Christ. What's the worst thing you can do? I guess they could punch you. I heal. I've been punched for stupider things. By my sister, by the way. (laughs) Is she here, by the way? Still got to forgive her on that one. Um... The greatest thing that we can do to break hold this stronghold, and there's a stronghold. God God wants this message to go into this community today. He wants you to understand that you're sitting on the most powerful thing in the universe, and you're sitting on it. And someone in your area needs to know Jesus. Someone in your house, in your neighborhood, at your work, at your school is waiting for you to reach out and say, do you know Jesus? Would you come to my church or do you want to go to church? I'll go to you with with you to another church. Go and do the message and mission of God. So that's the first thing. But here's four easy ways to share. Here's four general ideas on how you can share. The first thing that you can do is just live a life of gratitude, thankfulness. Thanking God for what he does and how he lives. And what I really want you to do is pray openly. Me and my family, every time we go to dinner, you know what we do? We pray for the meal. And then someone comes up. I've been with John a couple of times. I've been with a couple of people. And me and Big John are praying for our meal. And somebody will come up and go, man, that was powerful. Two men praying for their meal. Just because you're praying. It took about 20 seconds. Unless it's a pastor's prayer, then it's about an hour and the food gets cold. And <laughs> Pray openly. Praise publicly. I have a friend, Corinne, and uh, she lives in uh, uh, New Orleans now. But when we first met her, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, Lord Jesus. Thank you for who you are. And this really drew us close to her. She was a nut for Jesus. 
And we wanted to be close to that. So openly pray and, and praise the King of God. Hallelujah. Thank you for your glory. Lord, you are good. Tell the world that you believe in the Most High God and that you're not afraid of Him. And the last thing is to do it daily. Do it all the time. Don't just do it because you're fired up on a sermon. Do it on Monday or Tuesday. Friday. Do it regularly. The second thing that you can do is look for people that are hurting. You know how many people are hurting in your community? Our world is falling apart. It's falling apart right before our eyes. And all we can do is just be open and say, listen, I can know that you're hurting. I know that you're in despair. I know that you're struggling. Listen to them. Have compassion on them. Put them on the prayer list if you don't have anything to put on the prayer list. Or say, can I pray for you? I, I, I used to do this homeless ministry with a bunch of you in here. And I've only had one person in 10 years turn me down not to pray. And he's like, well, I just prayed. I don't need you to pray for me. That's the only reason. Everybody accepts prayers. Atheists accept prayers when they're in trouble. Pray. Listen. Be compassionate those that are hurting. That's a right place. That's a harvest for Jesus. Here's the tough one. And this is the one I've been trying to do. And I'm not perfect at all. But this is the one. Live a good life for the glory of Jesus Christ. Go out into the world. And don't just come to church with your hair parted. And your makeup good. And your right plants cuffed up. And look like you got it all together. Go out into the world. Here we're to grab strength. Out there we're to do the mission. Here strength. Mission outside. Go out into the world and live a good life, a changed life, a different life. So that when people know you're like, you're not the same Jeff Rodriguez that I went to high school or college with. And I'm like, praise Jesus, I'm not. Because I am no longer bound to the chains, right? I'm no longer stuck in these demons that were holding me back. And now people are like, why are you so different? It's because I've got the God of the Most High inside of me and he does the work. I'm going to invite the band back up. I'm getting a little pumped up. We've got to get the music going. Here's the last one. And this is for those that are shy. This is the shy version of what you need to do. Listen, there's a lot of people in here that just don't have the guts. They're like, Jeff, you're so open and you got this personality and your testimony's amazing. And I just can't tell people about Jesus. Well, here's what you need to do. Share your struggles and your victories with fellow believers so those believers can go out and tell people about what God is doing in my church. At least share people in your own church what God is doing so that we can grab strength and go, man, he's doing a work in this church. I'm going to go out and tell what's happening to people in our church. The worst thing that you can do is just tell other Christians what God is doing. Then you will encourage them and maybe they'll get the strength to go out and tell other people about Jesus. Listen, the enemy wants you not to hear this message and he wants you to confuse it. The enemy wants us to just walk away from this and live in fear of sharing the gospel. The enemy's got so much chaos going on in this world, so much division, so much hatred, so much anger that we're so afraid to do it that we're going to sit on our hands and we're going to button up our mouth. And the truth is Jesus is begging you, please tell the world that I love them. Please tell them that I need them to draw close to me so that this world can be changed forever. And if not, tell one person so that they can be changed forever. Amen. I want to close with these seven reasons not to fear sharing. Now, this is out there on the patio. Grab it if you need it. It's got some biblical references. But here's seven reasons for you not to share. First, it's probably the power of God that people are saved. None of you have the power to save anyone. I sure don't. I say a message. I say a prayer at the end of the message, but it's not me convicting. That's God. He's the one tugging on your heart. So you don't have to save anybody. You just need to be a mouthpiece. The second thing that happens when you share your faith is you gain a deeper understanding of Jesus. I don't know about you, but I've been in places recently where I was communicating to someone about Jesus. And he was communicating and it pushed me back into my word to go, man, this is what it said. He was kind of off. But I grew deeper in my faith because I grabbed a hold of what he was trying to share. When we share, we grab a deeper understanding. Number three is if you have a, a reason not to share because your fear of being rejected... Jesus was rejected. 
Jesus was rejected constantly. Number four says, and when we're rejected, it's a promise and a blessing in heaven when someone laughs at you and says, I don't want your Jesus. That's a glorious thing for God, not a negative thing. Number five, it says, you don't have to go out into the world. The Holy Spirit does all the work. I don't have to memorize scripture. It's good if you got it. But if not, you just be real and say, Holy Spirit, speak and watch him speak something directly into their heart that only God would know, not anything that you would know. The last two, God, our job is to plant seeds and water soil. God's job is to grow. God's job is in the results. You have no results. You just do your part and let God do his part. And the last thing is that God goes with you. As we close today, know that as you think about someone that you should share to, God is with you. We don't have a distant God. God wants to help you overcome this fear. By the power of his blood and by the word of his testimony, he wants you to be strengthened so that you can go into this world and not sit on your, uh, your values and morals of Christianity, but to present it to this world. That's what God wants to do. Before we close today, I want to do one thing. I want you to tell someone next to you, behind you, all around you, that Jesus has saved me by his grace and his mercy. Go ahead and do it right now. Come on, everybody say it. Jesus has saved me by his grace and mercy. By you doing that, you just practice how to witness about Jesus Christ. That's all you need to do. You just need to tell someone, Jesus has saved me. I'm a sinner. I needed a savior. His grace, his mercy came in and changed me. Let's pray. At the end of the message, every week we give it a harvest opportunity. And the prayer is for someone to take their life and say, I no longer want to live away from you, Lord. I want to live with you. And you invite Christ into your heart. And now is that time. So let the harvest rejoice for new people and new souls all across this great world. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, forgive me of my sins. Let me walk away from the evil things that have happened in my life. Heal me. Bless me. I believe that you died and that you rose again for my sake. I love you, Lord. Anoint me with your Holy Spirit and teach me how to evangelize and be a light to this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you have a fear of sharing, raise your hand. If you have a fear of sharing, raise your hand. We're going to sing a song called Overcome and believe that the power of Jesus Christ has given you the willingness to overcome this fear. Amen.